Elizabeth. Why is it me God has asked? I am nothing. Oh, Hopefully that video gave you a sense of Mary's humble place in life, the difficult position that her pregnancy placed her in, and also help you appreciate that sometimes God turns our world upside down. Our scripture shares Mary's call by God to be the mother of our Savior. It includes a song of Mary, which is really a poetic expression of, of a prophetic peace that's very much in the same tradition as the Old Testament prophets. Keep in mind that prophecy in the Bible is not so much about predicting the future as it is about bringing a contemporary message, a contemporary word to the people of their day from God. The song comes after Gabriel's come to Mary in Nazareth. It tells her she is with child. And it leads her to go to her cousin Elizabeth in Judea. And while she's there, that child leaps in the womb of Elizabeth, telling her that something is special has now happened to Mary, that she does carry the Christ child, the Messiah. Now, 
Let me share a little geography with you. I think it helps us appreciate what Mary went through and how frightened she was. Because sometimes when we read the scriptures, we tend to get this cut and dried idea that God comes to people, angel or otherwise, and they get that sure message, and then everything is just fine and they're obedient. Mary did say, here I am, Lord, and let it be with me according to your word. And we think that just ends the story, and it fits very well with our Christmas cards, that serene and peaceful look that Mary has, that angelic look. But I want to suggest to you that our scripture suggests that there's a, a, a deeper reality that we need to understand. In Luke's account, there's a little subtle thing that states that Mary did ponder this much, and that it took an additional work for her to, to buy in fully to that pledge of servanthood that she made. Let's remember a few things about Mary. I liked how the video portrayed her very young. She was most likely about 14 years old. Because in those days, most women lived between 29 and 35 years old. So a woman was typically betrothed in marriage as soon as she was of childbearing age. Also keep in mind, as we talked last week, that Joseph has the right to have her stoned to death once he learns that this child is not his. And at the worst, at the very least, he would choose to divorce her, leaving her with no means to support this child. So there's so much at stake. She's been given the news. She's received it humbly. But now the reality is hitting, and she has to figure out how she's going to make this work. Angelic visits, they don't solve everything because all's got to be worked out in, in real life. So, so look at this verse that comes immediately after those, immediate, those obedient words. It says, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country. You notice that, with haste? Mary's a little desperate for some emotional support. And let's take a look at a map and look at what she went through to get to Elizabeth. It shows the track that would come from the upper Galilean area down to the Judean hill country. Let me tell you about that trip. It's not a simple trip. And if tradition's correct, John the Baptist, who was born to Elizabeth, was born in An Karim. There's a church there to mark that occasion. An Karim is just west of Jerusalem and just north of Bethlehem. Some scholars suggest that Joseph was still living in Bethlehem at that time. So it's very possible, because of its arranged marriage, that this was when she's going to choose to break the news to Joseph, which means Elizabeth may have heard of the birth of that child even before Joseph. It's hard to tell from all the biblical accounts. And let me tell you, this wouldn't be an easy trip. It's about 80 to 85 miles as the crow flies, but that's not how you get there as you go through that hill country. She'd be going by foot. The travel would take about nine to ten days. She'd have to go through the area of Samaria, which was enemy territory. There were thieves and bandits. She would not go alone. She'd have to be a part of a caravan or hitch a ride with someone else. And then think about the return trip, because now she's three months more, more pregnant and carries that child with her in a fuller way. All that tells you that Mary really needed to get out of town, and she truly needed some deep support to confirm what she's experienced. And who would be better than, than Elizabeth, who she knew that, in a sense, has experienced a miracle of her own as she was past the age of bearing a child. And so she goes to her to find the comfort that she needs. And Elizabeth gave her that assurance that she needed. She helped her see that the complications that come, that God would be there, and enable her to sing this song, Mary's song, 
that accepted fully the challenge and prophesied what it means for God to visit us. It's important to embrace that word. This week, Nancy and I were sitting in a restaurant. We were eating, and behind us was two couples that are obviously very much church couples, and they were talking about the book of Revelation. And one person, I don't know if he was a preacher or just someone who really claims to know his Bible well, but he was quoting scripture after scripture and saying what it meant and tying it to to current events. And and I tried not to listen. I just tried. But they were right behind us, and he was really loud. And he talked with such confidence, like he had it all figured out. And the more I caught, the more I disagreed. It was all I could do just to stay in my seat, and I'd get up and ask him a few good questions, you know. And it was bothersome to hear him just speak as if he had it all figured out. And and the tired kind of understanding that wants to keep tying revelation to current events. And, you know, I've been in this ministry for 35 years. I've heard this stuff, and and it just keeps changing because they missed the whole point of the book of Revelation, which was written to the people of their day to bring hope in the time of the persecution they were facing. Somehow people like to have all those answers. People have a hard time living with the mystery of God, you know? That's why I think I love Mary's story. I love that she had to flee with haste to go talk to Elizabeth because it's not that simple, is it? If it was, God wouldn't be God. And certainly what we know about him wouldn't be worthy of him as it is. So, as we learned last week, that sometimes faith requires courage, as it did for Joseph. Sometimes faith requires community, as it does with with Mary and Elizabeth. That's why we come to church. We are here to receive that assurance and support from one another, not only to get through the challenges that life presents to us, but also to find the strength we need to impact our world, not always with having all the answers but trying to share a word of God, of his love and his grace, to be that light to the world. Something else we need to appreciate about Mary and how vital her story can be for us by realizing where she comes from. She comes from Nazareth, right? Nazareth is a town of probably less than 100 people. And it's interesting that God would choose someone from Nazareth. Most people in her day in Israel would not even know where Nazareth was. Town people would know about another town just four miles away from Nazareth, which was Sephoris. Sephoris was a town of about 30,000 people. It kind of makes me think about when I served my first appointment in Mace, Indiana. How many people know where Mace, Indiana is? Yeah, not too many. So whenever I talk about that, I always say, I I live near Crawfordsville, right? Isn't that what you say? You you probably even do it living here. If you're talking to somebody out of the state of Indiana and they ask you where you're from, you probably don't say Noblesville, do you? You probably say, oh, I I live north of Indianapolis because they would know where that is. Well, if you were in Israel in Mary's day and somebody asked Mary where she's from, she'd say, oh, I live near Sephoris because Nazareth would not be known. Nazareth was not even on most maps of that day. Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, gives a lengthy list of cities in Israel, doesn't mention Nazareth. It's not worth mentioning. Remember that scripture of the disciples when they're being called by Jesus? 
And one goes, runs to tell his brother that he's found the Messiah. And when he learns that he's from Nazareth, what does he say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Archaeologists are even confirming that understanding. You know, they find almost no ruins around Nazareth. It was such a poor town that most of the residents lived in caves, just carved out of the side of the hill. The stone was so porous, you just can carve it out. Someone would even carve and have windows to bring in some light. Others would build little simple facades because building materials were expensive there. Wood was not easy to find. And, and so those that lived in those humble areas would find the cheapest housing would be carving a spot out of a cave. Most people that lived in Nazareth worked in Sephoris. Sephoris, we find mosaic floors that still exist. You can go there and look at them to this day. You notice that Mary describes herself as a lowly servant or handmaiden. She's not being modest. That's probably what she did. She probably scrubbed some of those mosaic floors in Sephoris. Mary was not highly educated. She was probably much, not much older than 14 years old. And we tend to romanticize her, but you know her life truly was just not much more than a slave. We should take comfort in that and realize that we should never underestimate what God can do with us. God likes to use ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. It's simply his nature. So please don't back down if you sense God calling you. <coughs> He's got an opportunity for you. Don't back down because you don't think you're good enough or gifted enough or smart enough. The most important thing you can do is just show up. Just show up ready to receive God's orders. And God will do things through you that you never, ever imagined. Then one last thing. It's, it's a little harder for us to hear. <coughs> Excuse me. In Luke 1, 50 to 53, Mary says in her song, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones. He's lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry and sent the rich empty away. Now, we probably love hearing that part about lifting up the lowly. It's a little harder to hear about sending the rich away. You may or may not consider yourself rich, but you are. If you live without having to worry about where your next meal comes from, and you compare yourself to the rest of the world, you are very, very rich. So we need to hear this carefully. We need to embrace what it says to us. And it's bothersome in some ways because we don't like to hear God take sides. But hear that God loves all people, rich, poor, and everything in between. But he seems to bring, at least as we read the scriptures, an extra amount of grace to those that the world has ignored. And it shouldn't surprise us. Think about some of these scriptures. Matthew 19.30 says, Many who are first will be last last first. The Sermon on the Mount, which is referred to in Matthew and also Luke, says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Jesus tells a parable of the wedding banquet and, and, and he shares that we should be seeking the places furthest away from the guest to stay that humbled because those who are humbled will be exalted. 
And then Philippians 2 talks about how Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And we're called to do the same. God seems to like underdogs, doesn't he? And don't we as well? If you're watching a sporting event and your favorite team isn't playing, who do you tend to root for? We tend to root for the underdog, don't we? You're watching a movie, and if there's competing love interests, don't you tend to root for the person that maybe is not quite as good-looking? Because we root for the underdog. Do you think perhaps some of that has to do with we are made in the image of God and we reflect that same kind of inclination that God has? God does love all people, but certainly he calls us, if we are among the rich, If we don't want to be sent empty away, we need to take that responsibility seriously and join God in sharing the many blessings he's given to us to bless others so that all persons, not to enable and not not to just give without thought, but to help them lift themselves, find the opportunities that we've been given. It should tell us that we need to join God in his desire to lift up the lowly. I love how we do that. And we do that, don't we? We've done it here at Christmas time. You know, we, we have done our angel trees. We've got the layout tree. Over 200 gifts have been brought in. Believe me, our staff realizes that those things crowd our floor. But what a wonderful sight that is, is we generously want to make sure those that don't have all the blessings we have have a meaningful Christmas. We also did it last week as... Tom Shriver made a connection with some of the high school students that's called Underdog Theater. And they needed a place, and so we let them use Stevenson Hall, and they did three performances of A Christmas Carol. And I talked to the students, and I was so proud of how excited they were to have it here and how helpful that you have been, that you bought tickets and came and supported them. And what a blessing it was. You know, this is the mission of the church, to seek out those the world has sometimes ignored, to find that underdog and and do what we can to help them find the opportunities that we have. Because these are students that that don't always get the best parts in some of the other plays, and they want to develop their skills and become better at something they really love, and you help give them that opportunity. God loves underdogs, and so should we. So let us... Listen to Mary's story. Let us celebrate that God chooses someone as humble, as lowly, as unlikely as her to bring his son into the world. And so he can choose us as humble, as ordinary as we might be. May we join together in lifting up the lowly. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, again, another powerful story of how you have reached into our world and surprised us. We thank you that you care for the underdogs and we ask that we find that same spirit, not just to Christmas. Help us to find that year round. Help us to change those things in our lifestyle that truly make others first. For you have made us first as you've come to this earth. This is our hope and our prayer through Christ who is our Lord. Amen.